Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Chambers, with Pastor Isaac Roman in a message he's entitled, The Jealous Heart. Enjoy this message. And I appreciate, uh, appreciate all my friends that are, that are here. Um, this is a great church. This is the best church in the world, for sure. And uh, I, I'm excited this morning. I'm, I'm going to get right into it, but I appreciate, uh, Pastor Rob, your kind words, and that's always very awkward. But, uh, but I, 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 I do appreciate it. I do. And I know, I know I'm loved, and, and uh, you know, again, I, I'm just... Uh, I, I'm, I'm so humbled by uh, the opportunity that God would, God would use someone like me to, to minister his gospel, that God would use someone like me to serve uh, in, in the presence or in the company of such great people. I think about, obviously, our senior pastors. Man, I miss my, I, I miss my senior pastors, all right? Um, but uh, Pastor Omar Cicilletti, they're uh, enjoying their time away, but just so humbled to be able to serve under uh, such, such awesome people. And then also our, our pastoral team, uh, yeah, all of the pastors on the team, uh, uh, the Santiago's, uh, the Lopez's, and the Tahajis. Uh, we, me and my wife, we just adore uh, all of them. And then our, our leadership and connect group leaders and all of those that serve and do uh, everything and keep this, keep this ship moving forward. I'm just so honored to be in the company of, of such great people. So why don't you give yourselves a big hand to, uh, this morning. And I do want to honor our, our senior pastors um, as they're away. You, you may or may not know this, but it was Sister Letty's 25th birthday yesterday. And, uh, and so we, we, we want to honor her as well. And uh, uh, we're, we're, so, we're, so, uh, we're so blessed to be able to have them away and enjoying each other. They're enjoying family. And I know they're going to make a, uh, their way to go see some friends, some dear friends of theirs. But, uh, but it was our, our, our pastor's birthday yesterday. And so I want to encourage you. Um, we've, we've been talking about this all, uh, all month. Uh, but uh, this month is Pastor's Appreciation Month. And um, I want to encourage you, if you've not already, for those of you that, that have blessed our pastors while they're on sabbatical, uh, uh, thank you for that. Uh, but if, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to consider uh, maybe blessing them with a love offering. And you could do that. Uh, you could just text to give and just put, uh, just put pastors uh, at the end of it. Also, maybe if you want to give Sister Letty, uh, you know, a love offering for her birthday, bless her that way. That, that's okay, too. Uh, you could do the same way. You could do it the same way by online. Uh, there's, a, there's an allocation for it. And also, uh, you could text uh, and, just, uh, and just, just bless them. That, that's all right. Uh, we're, we're never bashful about this because honor, uh, honor is our culture. And so we want to honor, uh, honor our pastors. But I miss them so much. And uh, I just want to honor them. They're su- such great people. Uh, this morning. So uh, we, I'm going to jump right into this. And today we're going to be talking about uh, chambers. That's the theme of our, uh, of, our, uh, of our sermon series the last couple of months. And today specifically I'm going to be talking about a jealous heart. A jealous heart. Uh, and and uh, it's going to be good, all right? Okay, yeah, I, I'm telling you, I, I really believe that, that some of us are going to find deliverance and just understanding and, and getting a, a, a fresh revelation of who God is and who we are in Christ uh, today. Uh, some of us, many of us will be challenged this morning, uh, but that's okay because uh, I, I always like to think of it as, as kind of redirection. Every once in a while, we need some redirection in our lives. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to help us this morning. Uh, but uh, just a little, a little something about the heart. Uh, 
you may, you may or may not know this, but the heart is actually the strongest muscle in your body, okay? So for all of those guys that are, you know, hitting those, uh, hitting those bicep curls, it's not your biceps that are the strongest muscle, it's your heart, okay? And the heart, uh, the, the heart beats, it, 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 it uh, contracts and expands over 100,000 times every single day. Think about that. Over 100,000 times your heart is beating, expanding, and, and contracting. It also pumps 2,000 gallons of blood every day. Think about, the, think about that. 2,000 gallons of blood every single day. And so we know that the heart is integral to our, uh, to our existence, okay? Without the heart, uh, you can't, we can't live, okay? So we can live without an arm. We can live without a leg. But without our hearts, uh, we can't live. And so the heart is significant. We would all agree with that. Similarly, um, the spiritual heart is just as significant. It's positioned, um, uh, it's positioned, our, our physical heart is positioned central in our physical bodies. And likewise, our spiritual heart should be the center of our lives. It really, it, it, life and, 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 and our desires and all of these things come from our heart. And so just like the physical heart is the most important organ in our body, the spiritual heart is the most important and significant part of your spiritual walk this morning. Mark 12, uh, verses 28 through 31, it says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so Jesus is here saying that we're to love the Lord our God with everything that we have. It's not, we're not to love the Lord our God with our hands, we're not to love the Lord our God with our feet, but we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, exclusive to God. And so this really, this really emphasizes the significance of our heart's posture towards God and, and really uh, the condition of our heart, which we'll talk about here this morning. So why don't you pray with me uh, as we pray over this message. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, because in your presence is fullness of joy. We thank you, God, because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I pray, God, this morning that there would be truth that would set your people free this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would reflect on our hearts, God, that we would mimic the prayer that David had, that you would search us and that you would teach us and that you would lead us, God, in all things in our hearts, Father. I pray, Lord, that you just be with us. I pray your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Daisy. And so, uh, and so as we're talking about the heart, many of you know that uh, uh, there, there's heart attacks that happen all the time, and it's what they call the silent killer. And, and really, this is kind of significant is the fact that uh, your heart, you could have an abnormality in your heart. You could have a heart condition that you're not even aware of. And, and the only way that you could know what's going on in your heart is through a heart exam. And so I'm thinking this morning, maybe we could have a little bit of a heart exam. One, one, of, uh, one of the brothers in, in our Connect group, uh, uh, Will Vargas, a uh, great brother of mine, he was teaching in Connect group and he brought this analogy and I thought it was so good 
about an EKG. Now, um, uh, I'm relatively young, and I, uh, I've not really had to go and check my heart out yet. I'm, I guess I'm getting to the age where I should probably be a little bit more conscious of it. But I, I've, uh, I, I don't know all the, all the details of it. But an EKG, many of you may know this, that it kind of connects to, to your body. And through electrical signals, it's able to tell whether your heart is abnormal. It measures, you know, the function of it and all of that kind of stuff. Now, again, you're not able to know what's going on in your heart until it's actually tested. And so I'm thinking this morning, what if we were able to perform a spiritual EKG on your heart? This morning, would we be able to find abnormalities that maybe are hidden? We, we don't see them. We call them blind spots in our lives. But maybe that spiritual EKG this morning would show some abnormalities in our lives. I think about heart disease. Just heart disease in the United States, and uh, maybe we could get a close-up of, of this heart just for those that are joining us online. And uh, this heart here is a replica. Now, it's enlarged, okay, so the human heart is about the size of a fist. So, I mean, you could kind of see how, uh, how enlarged that is. But this is an abnormal heart, okay? It's, uh, it's darkened, uh, so I, I'm sure, you know, that, that has uh, heart disease or heart damage to it. But heart disease in the United States, I want to give you just a couple of, uh, of facts here is that uh, uh, heart disease is the lead, leading cause of death for men and women in all racial and ethnic groups, okay? Heart disease is, is the leading cause of death in, in, uh, in the United States. Uh, it says that one person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from a cardiovascular disease. Every 36 seconds, someone dies. About 659,000 people and the United States die from heart disease each year. That's one in every four deaths. So uh, 25% of the deaths in the United States are because of a heart disease or a heart condition. Heart disease costs the United States about $363 billion, that's with a B, $363 billion each year. Uh, and this was a survey done in 2000, from 2016 to, to 2017. And so this is the crazy thing that I, that I consider when, uh, that I think about when I think about a heart disease. Now, um, you may or may not know this, but there's, uh, there's things that cause heart disease, okay? So now there is some genetics, but that's a very, very small percentage of heart problems that you inherit genetically. For the most part, you could avoid heart disease. For the most part, you could, uh, the American, all of us, each and every one of us can avoid heart disease by doing a few things. Number one is watching what you eat, staying active, uh, and, and just making healthy life decisions. Now, this is not, uh, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not giving you anything, any new news this morning, but I thought about how crazy it is that society understands that this number one killer can be avoided, yet we do nothing to avoid it. See, the, the only way that we could avoid this heart disease and this corruption of, of our hearts, our physical hearts, is by making significant lifestyle changes, significant lifestyle changes. And even with this knowledge, many people will continue to die from heart disease because they're not willing to make that change. And so my prayer this morning is that we would have some wisdom this morning and maybe we'd begin to start making some significant lifestyle changes, some lifestyle decisions that could avoid this heart disease or this heart corruption. And so God often refers to uh, the children of Israel as, as those having a hard heart. Now this is like, that's really hard, Right? And so, so God, always, God, God continually tells the children of Israel that they have this hard heart, that they're hardened in their hearts. And we know that the heart reflects many things. The heart reflects our desires. It, it reflects our intentions, our will, 
uh, our behavior, and it even reflects the words that we speak. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what's in your heart will ultimately come out. My, my, uh, my, my core scripture here this morning is Proverbs 14.30. And uh, uh, it says this, a, pr- a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about jealousy. And we understand that the feelings of the heart uh, can promote godly desires, yes. But the feelings of the heart could also produce evil desires. See, some of these emotions could push people closer together and, and desire uh, the best for other people. And then uh, other emotions of the heart, such as jealousy, can just pull people away. Uh, it, it, could, it, it, could, it could cause uh, contempt. It could, it could cause pride and all of this stuff. Now, uh, Pastor Rob talked about covetousness uh, in his offering. And I want to I wanna describe it to you because there was a word that it used that was really, really interesting to me. So jealousy is a form of covetousness, okay? You, d- you define covetousness as wanting or showing a great desire for what someone else has, okay? That's, that's the very simple term. Now, I found this other word, and it's insatiable. Now, I want to define insatiable because this is a word that I use to define sin all the time when I'm speaking to someone. The word insatiable means that there's no way for it to be satisfied, that it's like an empty, it's like an empty bucket that as much as you pour into it, it's never full, it's never content, it's never satisfied. And so jealousy in our lives, if we allow it to seize our hearts, will take us to a place of insatiability where you're not able to ever be content with anything. Many of us are blessed. Many of us have a good life. Many of us have, uh, are blessed with our family, uh, maybe, a, maybe a spouse, uh, maybe a good job, whatever it is. But you just want a little bit more. And that is insatiability. That's something that we just cannot be content in. And we all know that in Christ, we have every single thing that we need. There is no lack in the Lord. And so this is what we need to understand. We need to fight against this covetousness. We need to fight against this jealousy. You see, uh, this jealousy, once it gets into our hearts and our minds, it changes the way that people perceive others. And so if you're jealous, you begin to see things through this filter of jealousy. You begin to see other people through this filter of jealousy, not only in others, but you begin to look at your own life through this filter of jealousy, wanting what someone else has. this, This could even distort the perception of the goodness of God in our lives. And so because we're embittered with jealousy, we're not able to see how blessed we are by God, the goodness of God in our lives. And so we're always looking for something bigger. We're always looking for something better. And this is, this is like cancerous to our hearts. And so it may seem petty to worry about this jealousy, this, this little emotion that kind of creeps up every once in a while. But really, if you understand this, if you could, if you could really point to where that's coming from, where is that emotion coming from? Where is that, where is that stumbling block coming from? If we could point to that and identify it, I believe that we could begin to walk in freedom just as the Lord has called each and every one of us to do. And so, so jealousy falls under the 10th commandment. If you go back and read uh, the 10 commandments, jealousy is the 10th commandment. And, uh, being jealous is the feeling of resentment against someone because of that person's competition success or advantages it's inclined to to or troubled by suspicions or fears of competition or unfaithfulness so it's the state of disliking uh, it's the state of disliking 
uh, for another thing's success or lifestyle. It starts with a sinful feeling or thought, but can lead to acting out in wicked ways. So jealousy is this like really subtle thing that just starts in our hearts. And as we allow it to continue to fester and grow, it can move into really uh, wicked actions and, and, and all kinds of problems in our lives. I, I, would, I would imagine that many of, of the struggles that you find even relationally are rooted in jealousy. Now, I, I'm going to show a video. This video is kind of funny, so just, uh, just bear with me, okay? It's about two minutes. Uh, the, the guys could, could cue that video. Why didn't you tell me? I should have told you. That's the thing. I should have just told you, but I don't know what happened. I, I, I felt guilty or, or, or something, I was, and I was just so wrapped up in the envy that I felt for everything you had. I mean, it's true what they say. It's like a little, little green monster that comes out, and, and, and it just poisoned my head. I mean, and by the way, you did nothing wrong. I mean, you did nothing wrong. You just you, you followed your dream. You did what you wanted to do, and I was always saying, don't do it, don't do it, and you did it, and it worked. I mean, it worked. Look, you built a house, right? That's all you did. You built a house. I mean, it's a big house. I mean, it's a really big house. It's a, it's a large house. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's gigantic, Nick. It's the White House. You built the White House across the street, and, and we're in the shadow of it. I mean, literally, every day, 4 o'clock, we're in the shadow of it. You know, and that's not your fault. I mean, you wanted to be friends still, and you didn't want to move, and I love that. I mean, it's such a, you know, it's coming from such a good place, but it was just, I mean, it really was getting to me, because every day I'd have to look at you and see you with all of this stuff, you know, buy the yellow Lamborghini that goes 500 miles an hour. Have a bowling alley next to your bedroom. If I could do it, I would have done it. Everybody should have a merry-go-round. Of course you should have a merry-go-round. Jealousy every day. And it was just chewing me up. I mean, your kid's playing the concert piano. My kid's banging trash cans. And I don't think that has anything to do with the money. I think that's just his musical ability. But that's a whole other thing. And you just gave to us, Nick. I mean, you gave and you gave and you're so generous. And, 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 and what am I going to give you? I gave you tube socks for Christmas last year. That's not going to work. I like the socks. You gave us so much, the coffee machine. It's a beautiful, giant, rocket ship-sized coffee machine. And Debbie loved the coffee. I'll tell you something. I never tasted it. I've been wanting to tell you that for a long time. I mean, it's that bad. I can't even tell you I haven't tried the coffee. Like, it's going to make me feel better about myself that I won't drink your coffee. And you gave our kids flan. And then, all of a sudden, my son's going, Daddy, Daddy, where's the flan? I want the flan. And I just want to... It felt like a dagger in my heart, the flan, every time you'd request flan. And, and it just made me feel little. I felt like a little man who didn't like flan. That's what I felt like, Nick. And the horse, the horse was great, Nick. Of course you should have a horse. Does it have to be a white horse that you come galloping up on and it neighs and it makes a whole thing? Of course, make it a beautiful white horse that I think honestly didn't like. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, uh, this, this, this cancerous jealousy, uh, it, does, it, it does a few things. Number one, it feeds on our vulnerabilities. Jealousy feeds on our vulnerabilities. It also distorts our intrinsic value. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And as I'm talking through these vulnerabilities, uh, listen, this is very, very real to each and every one of us. Okay, so as I'm speaking to these, I know that I know that the Lord is going to be pointing to things. But I, I, I'm here to encourage you this morning. And so. This jealousy feeds on our vulnerabilities. There's several different vulnerabilities that each and every one of us uh, uh, deal with. These are insecurities. These are different things that, uh, that are in us. Again, maybe blind spots, maybe things that, you, that you've picked, out, picked up through your experiences in your life. So the first thing is inequality. Inequality is an insecurity or a vulnerability that jealousy could feed on. Now, what is inequality exactly? There's a lot of 
trending uh, kind of language around inequality in our society. I don't necessarily want to get into all of that, but inequality basically basically means that someone had a better opportunity than you did. And so now you now this is kind of what happens to each and every one of us is we have this victim's mentality and we say things like it's not fair. It's not fair that that person had the benefit of education. It's not fair that that person had the benefit of two, uh, of, of two parents in the home. It's not fair that that individual had the benefit of, of knowing or having the right connections and getting ahead in life. I think about this for myself and I think about um, uh, uh, even in my, in my career and as I look around, uh, I struggle with a lot of these different vulnerabilities and insecurities that I'll be talking about. But I, I, I often would find myself looking and saying, you know, if only I had the education, if only I had gotten into the right school, you know, I, I could have done something different. Things could have been different for me. If I, if, if I had only had uh, the advantage that that person had, uh, I, I would be able to go and do what, what, uh, whatever it is that I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that uh, whether, what, what, just, uh, regardless of your situation, regardless of, of your upbringing, that, uh, that that inequality does not dismiss or does not revoke the promises and the goodness and the plan and the destiny that God has for us, each and every one of us. And so I acknowledge the fact that there may be inequality in your life. I, I, I acknowledge the fact that in this life, we've all suffered in different things like this, but, but we, can't allow it to, we can't allow it to cause jealousy in our lives. And, and we can't allow it to begin to lower our self-esteem and, and just say, you know, I just, I just have to settle for this over here because I can never get there because it's not fair. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians uh, uh, chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you uh, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so I want to tell you this this morning, that you have the favor of God. I'll say it again. If you're a believer and you're in Christ, you are a seed of the promise, and you have the favor of God on your life. Some of you guys got it. Now, I'll tell you this, in inequality, favor's not fair. Favor's not fair. It's, it's not fair that you walk with the blessing of God on your life, right? Favor's not fair, and you're an heir to the promise according to the word of God. The second thing that I think, uh, that, that, I think that jealousy feeds on in our vulnerabilities is inadequacy, inadequacy. Now, uh, I, I know this could speak to many of us where you feel like you're just not good enough. Maybe you, maybe you, you were raised in a home where uh, you were criticized often, and, and no matter your best effort, no matter uh, what you tried to do to really, uh, to, to really um, prove your worth to someone, you always came up short. Anybody ever feel that way? I think about this, I'll be honest, I think about, I think about this as, as a husband or even as a father. And I, and I see other, I see other fathers that are, you know, active with their children and taking them to like baseball practice and out there throwing the football with them and, you know, playing, you know, playing baseball, playing catch and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I start to, you know, measure myself and say, well, I don't do that. Am I, am I falling short? Am I inadequate? I think about oftentimes in my life when I wake up in the morning and I, I look myself in the mirror and I, and I, and I'm just so conscious. I'm so aware of my frailties. I'm so aware of my hangups, of, of, of the things that I know that are in my heart, the things that I know that are in my mind that could weigh me down and begin to give me the sense 
of inadequacy. Anybody else with me or am I by myself? Okay. And so, again, if, if we allow ourselves to kind of give in to these feelings or to these emotions, jealousy could begin to creep into our lives and it feeds on our hearts, it feeds on our minds, and it feeds on our souls. The Bible, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, verses, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Now, in proper context, this is Paul asking for God to remove the thorn in his flesh, whatever it is that was kind of hindering him. But the words remain the same, and the words are, are, are truth for each and every one of us. He said that my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, this is Paul, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think about this as I struggle and I battle with these thoughts of inadequacy in my own life. And I realize that I am a weak man, like, like Ben Stiller. I'm a small, weak man, a small, insignificant man, right? On my own, I'm small and insignificant. I'm weak. But, but uh, by the grace of God, by the power of God moving in me and moving through me, right, his grace is sufficient. And in my own personal weakness, Christ is made strong. And this is why, amen, this is why I, I could be bold and I could be confident that I am a man of God, that I am leading my family in all righteousness, that I am, uh, that, that I am significant and that God is using me. You know, I, I, I feel like I said this recently, but uh, in, in creation, and, and I'm going to speak on this a little bit more as we get through this, but in creation, we know that God created and then he went back and he audited. And what I mean by that is he, he went back and he looked at his work and he said, you know, he approved or disapproved, right? And so when God made us, when God made me, I'll make it personal, when God made me, he made me, he created me, he formed me, he breathed, he breathed breath in my lungs, he looked at me and he said, you are good. Now, for each and every one of you, maybe you're feeling inadequate, and I'm here to tell you that God has already sealed you and called you good. You are, you are more than sufficient. You are more than adequate for the call that God's placed on your life, and don't let anyone else tell you anything different. Another vulnerability, another thing that we all deal with is the fear of abandonment. The fear of abandonment. Now, this is real. This is really real. Um, this feeling comes from, uh, again, our life experience. Maybe someone left you. Maybe you're here, and maybe you're a divorcee. Maybe, maybe your spouse left you. Maybe growing up, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, maybe your, your, your mom or your dad left you uh, as, a young, as a young child, and you just felt like someone is always going to leave. No matter how good it is, you're, you're just waiting for that next shoe to drop that that someone is going to leave out of your life. And this fear of abandonment could really grip us. It really starts to distort our relationships because we're not able to fully trust. We're not able to fully love. We're not able to fully give ourselves. And I think even this spirit uh, or this, this fear of abandonment starts to plague our relationship with God where we don't fully trust God because man has failed you, because your parents have failed you, because your spouse has failed you, because people in your life that you love, that you thought were there for you for, in, for the long run, they've all failed you. Anybody ever been there? And so we, 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 uh, we project these feelings, we project these experiences that we have on a holy God and a true God and a faithful God. And it distorts our ability to be able to, uh, 
to, to fully uh, embrace God's love and God's compassion. Hebrews 13.5 says, be satisfied with what you have. I'll say that again. It says, it says, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And I love what, 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 what Jesus said as he was ascending. He said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, this is it. That the whole world can abandon you, okay? Everyone can abandon you. Your friends, your family, uh, your loved ones, they could all abandon you. But Jesus has promised that he'll never abandon you, that he'll stick closer than a brother. No matter what happens, no matter where you go, the Spirit of God is with you, and God will never abandon you. So we don't have to be fearful that people are going to leave us, because God is always there with us. The last thing is the fear of rejection, the fear of rejection. Again, I'm talking about vulnerabilities, I'm talking about insecurities that jealousy feeds on. And this is one that I believe that jealousy really, really captures each and every one of us. Now, this may be something that you're completely unaware of, but I'm sure as I'm standing here that every single one of us battle with the fear of rejection. This causes us not to be able to meet new people or to do all that God has called us to do because we feel like we're just not, we're, they're just not going to accept us. They're not going to accept who I am. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're, you're trying to live your life right. You're trying to live your life according to the word of God. And you're just so fearful that if you make a stand for righteousness, maybe in a relationship, if you make a stand for righteousness, maybe in your workplace, that you'll be rejected. And, and, and the fear of rejection really holds us down, really pushes us down to, real, to realizing our full potential in Christ. Every single one of us have the fear of rejection. Listen, the fear of rejection uh, dictates everything that we do in our lives. It dictates your job. It dictates the, what you put on this morning. You want it to be, you want it to be uh, accepted. And so you, you put on what you felt was culturally or, or, or acceptable in society. And so we're, we're, we, we tiptoe around all these different decisions because we're scared that people aren't going to like us. People aren't going to receive us and that we're going to be rejected. I love uh, in, uh, uh, talking about Jesus. It says that the the, the, the stone that the builders rejected became the, the chief cornerstone. And I'm here to tell you that God has called you and that God has, God has accepted you. Regardless of what you've done, God has accepted you for as you are. God, God has accepted you and God would never reject you. And so we, we, we have to have confidence in this. Deuteronomy 14.2 14, says, You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God. You've been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own. And so it doesn't matter if someone's rejected you in your life. Maybe you've felt the rejection, the sting of rejection in your life. Maybe from uh, someone that you love, maybe someone that, that you cared for and you, and, you, and you were rejected by them. The, uh, the Bible says clearly in God's promise to each and every one of us, there's nothing you could do there's, no, there's, there's nowhere that you could go that would cause God to reject you. You're fully accepted, fully known, and fully loved by God. And so these vulnerabilities in our lives, we have, to, we have to be able to point to them. We have to be able to identify them so that we can get freedom over them. And so I, I, my prayer is that this morning that God would help us to understand all of these different, all of these different things. And so there's several, there's several stories and scriptures in the Bible that address uh, jealousy. Job 5, uh, 5 and 2 says, Surely resentment destroys the fool, 
and jealousy kills the simple. Now, this is Job's friend Eliphaz. He comes, and uh, we know the story that his friends come and try to comfort him. Um, they don't really do a great job. They, 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 have, you know, they, they don't really understand what God is doing. Uh, but there's times where they make these declarations that are actually true, and this is one of them, that resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. And so we have to, we, we can't allow this to be bitter and destructive in our lives. 1 Corinthians 3, 3 says, for, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by the sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Now, I, I think about this. Now, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And so really we could say that, God, that, that Paul is talking to the church today here at Reach Paramount. And uh, there's, times that, there's times that there's jealousy that could happen in between brothers and sisters. Okay, maybe not here, the, you know, the church up the street. But there's times that jealousy could set in in our hearts, even here in the church, in the body of believers, where we, where, where we begin to allow division and bitterness to, to, uh, to ruin our relationships. Listen, uh, I'm sure that there's times where, where you're thinking, well, uh, I don't know why, you know, brother so-and-so is leading prayer or doing, doing this or doing that, right? We should be celebrating for what God is doing in their lives. I'm gonna get you, Connect Group leader. Connect Group leader. You're over watching, you know, what's going on over here at this Connect group on Facebook and Instagram and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and you got something to say about that. You should be celebrating that there's, that, that God is, be, that the kingdom of God is moving forward, that they're, that, that they're being prospered. We can't allow this to come into the house. We gotta be aware of it and we gotta, we gotta destroy it. First Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 and 7 says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never, love uh, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And listen, what, what, Paul, what Paul is saying here is, is really uh, what, what jealousy is not. Okay, what jealousy is not. And so jealousy drives many of the behaviors that Paul is, is stating here. Um, uh, and and, and uh, it's really the exact opposite of, of jealousy. James uh, chapter three, verses 14 and 16 says, but if you are bitterly jealous, I want you to listen to this. James always keeps it real, okay? James always says it for what it is, okay? But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, check your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. So don't fake the funk. That's what he's saying. Verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And listen, again, this jealousy thing, it may seem kind of petty. It may seem like this little emotion, but James called it demonic. If we allow this to, to capture and seize our hearts in our minds. And so there's several stories in the Bible that you could look to and see where, where jealousy kind of disrupted uh, mankind. We know about Cain and Abel. We know that. Um, we know about Joseph and his 10 brothers. We know that, that they were jealous of him. And so they beat him and, and sold him into slavery. One of the, one of the unique stories is David. And uh, you may know the story about King Saul, that King Saul uh, uh, was jealous of David and tried to kill David. 
uh, and, then, and then Jonathan, uh, which, which, uh, which loved David, which had every right to be jealous in, in, in our own human kind of understanding, right, that David was going to take his place as, as prince or as king. But Jonathan actually celebrated what, what God was doing in David's life and loved him. Now, it's, it's funny that David was the victim of jealousy and then later on victimized another with jealousy, right? Uh, he killed Bathsheba's husband so that he could have Bathsheba for himself. And so it's really like this 360 that each and every one of us have to understand that in our lives that we could experience or be victims of jealousy, but also we could serve it out, we could dish it out just likewise. And so we have to, ha- we have to ask God to help us in these different things. Now, I talked about value. So we're talking about how jealousy feeds on our vulnerabilities, right? And jealousy also distorts our value. So, so I, I want you to understand this. This is not human-centric, okay? I'm not, t- I'm not teaching this humanistic point of view. But there is intrinsic value in each and every one of us. And see, a lot of these insecurities, a lot of these vulnerabilities, they, they kind of beat us down and, they, and we, begin to lose, we begin to lose the understanding of the intrinsic value in which God created each and every one of us. I want to share this, this, this term with you, Imago Dei. And uh, you, you may or may not know this. If you're not going to reach Bible Institute, you should because you would know what I'm talking about. But uh, uh, Imago Dei is a Latin phrase used for the image of God. And how many of you understand that each and every one of us were, were created in the image of God? You were created in the image of God. You have God's fingerprint on your DNA. And so the image of God is defined as a supernatural expression that's associated uniquely to you and I. And this indicates a symbolic connection between God and humanity. Genesis 1.27 says, in which God created man in his own image. And what he's saying is that God created man in his own image, in his own morality, spirituality, and intellect. You're smart, okay? God has given you the ability to learn. God has given you the ability to, uh, to create in, in all, of these, all of these different things. One of the things that I, that I think is so, uh, so exquisite or so interesting is, uh, is these different kind of characteristics that uh, we are human beings with rational understanding. I could explain something to you like I am this morning, and you're able to connect the dots. There's no other creation in this world that's able to do that. Another thing is that we have the, our creative freedom. God has created you to be creative. God has created you to, to find creative solutions in your life, to, to do things that are creative and unique to you. Another thing is uh, that we have the capacity of fulfilling our potential. I want, you, I want you to understand this, that whatever it is, the dreams that God has given each and every one of you, that you have the capacity to actually fulfill them. Now, again, it's not, again, I'm not preaching some humanistic centered kind of, you know, uh, gospel or theology here, but I'm telling you because God created you, because you're in the image of God, because God has given you the intellect, God has given you the abilities, everything that you need that you could fulfill or you could even overcome some of the challenges that are in your life. You're not a victim. God has called you his very own and God has given you everything you need to be successful and prosper the kingdom of God here on earth. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump through here because I think it's important for us to to kind of go here and, and in closing I, I want you to think about this we're talking about jealousy and we've kind of talked about 
um, the bad side of jealousy, okay? That, that's, that's the corrupting of our hearts and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But how many of you know that we have a God that is jealous after us? We have a God that's jealous after, after you. You may feel, you may be here this morning and feel like you're inadequate, that no one wants you, that no one even cares about you. Maybe you left this morning and no one even asked where you're going. But I, I'm here to tell you that God is jealously, lovingly, compassionately pursuing your heart. And so one of the ways that, one of the ways that we could see God, and, and, and he uses a, be, a beautiful illustration uh, in, in Hosea, um, Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. I'll read it. But many of you know the story of Hosea and Gomer. And uh, Pastor David Tijerina Jr. was here a few weeks ago and ministered a powerful message on this thought. But really, the, the, this depiction of Hosea and Gomer is uh, Hosea as the protector, Hosea really as Jesus. And Gomer, the wife, the prostitute, is us. And, and the Bible says that God is married to his bride. Hosea was married to Gomer. And Gomer was unfaithful. Gomer uh, w- w- was one that desired uh, everything else but her husband. So much more, or so much like the people of God, that we desire everything else but God. And this is the jealousy. This is the righteous indignation that fires really the passion of God after our hearts. And it's not that he doesn't, it's not that he needs us to be fulfilled. That's not, that's not what this is, that's not what this is about. See, God is self-sustainable. In himself, he doesn't need anything else. There's nothing else that could be added or subtracted from God, which makes him the perfect object of our affection and worship. And so, so God's righteous indignation is not because he feels like he's being rejected by us, but that he wants to secure us and he wants to fulfill us. And we can't, and, and we're so broken. We're so broken. We want everything else but this perfect, perfect thing. And so we chase after everything else. Our desires and our hearts, uh, uh, passions are for everything else except for God. Hosea 2, 19 through 20 says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Listen, God expects our exclusive devotion. It, it, I, I, you, you go and you read in Exodus, if you read Ex, Exodus 34, and I'll, 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 I'll summarize it here. Exodus 34 says that God comes and he makes a new covenant with the children of Israel. This is after... This is after the children of Israel have already, uh, uh, you know, forsaken him, have been unfaithful and have done all these crazy things. God says that my love and my compassion is so strong for my people, for my creation, that I'm willing to make a new, a, a new covenant. And, and, and if you read that story, you'll see what it is. But there's three things that kind of, that, that God talks to Moses about. And he says, the first thing is a promise. And, and his promise, his covenant to the children of Israel is that he was going to do things that would amaze the world. Things that have never been been seen before, he's going to do that. So the first thing was his promise. He, he was making a covenant that I'm going to do things in your life that no one has ever seen before. It's going to amaze people. The second thing that he did was he built parameters. And what he did was he built different, uh, I'll just say rules or guidelines in order for us to, to inherit this promise, these parameters. And then the last thing he does is he gives us precautions. And these precautions are, if you don't do these things, 
this is going to be the result of it. And if you read that story, you, you see that God, that, that God, he came and he made this covenant. And before Moses could even come down with the Ten Commandments, that man's heart had chased after a golden calf. In a moment, our hearts were distracted and chased after something else. But God in his loving compassion and God in his loving mercy came and he said that these people are still my people. I love my people. I'll never reject them. And he received each and every one of us. This is God's jealousy for our hearts. And I I think about in this life, I think many of us have experienced a lot of different things in our lives. And maybe again, you may feel like uh, that no one wants you. No one cares about you. No one, uh, your your, your self-esteem or your value has been lost. I'm here to tell you that you're valuable to God. That God sent his perfect son into the world for you. If it was only for you, if it was only for me, God would have done it. And God's mercy and compassion is just with us time and time again, as, as unfaithful as we are, as, as much as we go back, as much as we're distracted, God's faithfulness is constant in our lives. And so this morning, I want, I want you to consider these things. I'm, I'm going to ask you if you would bow your head and close your eyes and really just kind of consider some of these things that we're talking about this morning. As I, I feel like I've, I've said a lot of different things that I believe that God wants to help us with. God wants to give us freedom in and before I get to any of those, I, I, I know the fact that God loves us so much. God loves each and every one of us so much. And you may be, you may be here in the room and you may say, well, yeah, I, I, I love God too, but, uh, but I just, I can't get over the hump. I just can't, I, I can't figure it out. I can't really connect the dots. And uh, just, just like God never forsake the children of Israel, although they were unfaithful, although they turned their backs on him, although they went and chased every other God, but Yahweh, the perfect God. He continued to pull them back. He continued to show them compassion. He continued to say, just, just come back. Just, just come back to me. And, and even this morning, I, I believe that the Spirit of God is kind of moving throughout this room this morning and speaking to each and every one of us. I believe that even as I was ministering, the Holy Spirit was highlighting things in your life. And this morning, the invitation is very simple, that you would return back to your first love, that you would return back to God. That if we align ourselves with God, if we align ourselves with the promise, that everything else will, 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 everything else will come into alignment. Our lives will come into alignment. Our relationships would come into alignment and all of those things. But even if they didn't, all you need in this life is God. And so I, I want to I give an invitation this morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, just like the children of Israel, my heart has been distracted. My heart has been far from God. And I believe this morning that the Spirit of God is calling me back. He's receiving me back to himself saying, just come back to me. Just come back to me. I just want to lavish you with love. I just want to fill you with my spirit. I want to fill you with my mercy. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I've been, my heart is far from God. I've been far from God. I've been running from God. If you're here this morning and you'd say, I, 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 want, I want to give my heart back to the Lord. I want, to, I want to make things right in my life. I want you just to lift your hand real quick. Come on, just lift your hand real quick. If you're here, you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac? Uh, I, I've walked with God. I've, I've been with God. I've even, I've, even, uh, I, I've even experienced the goodness of God, the blessing of God in my life. But I've, I've, I've turned my back on him. If you're here this morning, I want you to acknowledge that. In the presence of God, acknowledge that and ask God for some help. If you're here this morning, I want you to just lift your hand. Come on, just lift your hand real quick. We're going to take some time. This is the most important part of what we do here this morning as we come together, as we've prayed, as we've prepared ourselves. The most important thing 
that could happen this morning is that we could get our lives right with God, that we could get our hearts back in line with God. No more struggling, no more jealousy, no more chasing after everything else, but that we'd be settled and content in God. I'm gonna take just a few more moments. I, I really wanna just wait here. I believe that God wants to, God wants to do some, some heart surgery, maybe for, with people here this morning, anybody at all. You say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I'm, I'm far from God. I need, I need to get back. I need to get my life right with God. Anybody at all? We got hands going up. We got hands going up. I appreciate that. We have honest hearts this morning. I believe, just like David's prayer, search me, test me, and lead me. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would search you this morning. Anybody else? We have a we have one one honest heart to here this morning. Say, I, I need to get my I need to get my heart right. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? Just lift your hand real quick. Come on. Before I before I change the order of the service, I, I want to give this opportunity. Well, I saw, I saw a hand come up over here, brother. That you, if you would just get, get out of your seat, just meet me right, right here. We're going we're gonna to clap with you. We're going to have some, someone come and pray with you. Come on, brother. Bless you. Bless you. God wants to help you, man. Right? God wants to help you. Enrique, come, come and pray. All right. If you would just leave, leave him in the sinner's prayer. Pray with him in a minute. I want to uh, I, I want to give an opportunity here for for all of us. Um, as I was talking this morning, and, and how I said that uh, that jealousy feeds jealousy feeds on our vulnerabilities, our insecurities. That's where this bitterness and that's where that stuff comes from is is our own insecurities. And maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, God, I just I, I need help in these things. I I do feel like life has not been fair. I do feel like I'm inadequate, that I don't have all, all that it takes to be who I need to be in this life. I do fear that, uh, I do have a fear of abandonment. I do have a fear of rejection. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with any of those thoughts, any of those things in your life, I want you to get out of your seat and come to the altar. Come on, just get out of your seat. Don't think twice about it. Don't wait to see who's coming. Just get out of your seat. Come on, get out of your seat. I believe that God wants to restore us, that God wants to strengthen us in those, in those areas that God wants to gird us up in faith. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're here this morning, and jealousy and bitterness or this life has distorted the value that God has created you in. Maybe you don't feel valuable. Maybe you don't feel like God, that, that, maybe God messed up. Maybe God missed something when he created me. I believe that the Holy Spirit this morning could help you. I want you to get out of your seat and just come to the altar. They're going to sing. We're going to pray. I want some people to come and pray. Uh, with, with with those that are here this morning. And we're going to believe God just to begin to help us here this morning. Come on, come on, pray. If you're in your seat, I invite you to come, come up and you can come and pray with someone. If you can't get out of your seat, just, just pray right there. But we're just going to take a few moments here and we're going to pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.